KT, have you noticed that interest rates long-term are starting to go down little by little? Yeah, what are we going to do about it? I tell you what I think everybody should do about it. You should go to myalliant.com and take advantage of the one-year to 17-month certificate of deposit. They're currently paying 5.15% or 5.20% for amounts of $75,000 or more. Tell them one more time, KT, where they should go. Go to myalliant.com today. Now you know. September 16th, 2021. This is Ask Susie and KT Anything. Good morning, Susie. Good morning, KT. We have to, we have to really get into this show because in a few hours, you're going to be on the Today Show. Yeah, I'm going to be on live. So I'm not going to fool around everybody. I'm going to get right Hoda to it. and Jenna with a Can I Afford It segment. And, and I'm always so interested to see, am I going to be able to fool Hoda and Jenna? So if you're around, tune in 10 o'clock on Hoda and Jenna on NBC. All right, KT. All right, Susie. First question is from Simone. Hi, Susie and KT. Don't you like that name? I love love that that name. Simone. Reminds me. If we had a child, what would you name it? First of all, it wouldn't be an it, right? You're supposed to say a boy or a girl. A little boy. Roth. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Go on. All right, let's do it. So, hi, KT and Susie. I'm one of your fans for many years, and I love your podcast, both Susie's School and Ask Susie and KT. I wanted to ask about donor-advised funds. Didn't I just talk about those? You did, like last week. And But anyway, she wants to know more about it. She said, um, I want to open an account with extra money I earned from my self-employment activities and would like to know if it's a good choice. So, Simone, here's the thing. For those of you who don't know about donor-advised funds, just go back one or two podcasts and I talk about them. But Simone, donor advised funds are not there for you to put cash into them for you to give away. They're there in case you happen to have some asset, usually a security, a stock that has gone up tremendously in value and you don't want to have to cash it out and pay income tax on it. So you donate it to a donor advised fund that you control. And at the same time, you get a tax write off for whatever that amount of money is. So donating extra money, cash to a donor advised fund makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Next, my dearest KT. Okay, this one's an easy answer. KT still has her flowers from, from our anniversary. They're beautiful. Huge, huge. Okay, this is from Susan. My husband ordered your must-have documents, which he's filling out, and we both read your Ultimate Retirement Guidebook. I'm currently listening to your podcast, which I love. And then Susan said, I believe one of the podcasts had mentioned 
the must-have document account can be shared with family members. So Susan's question is, am I able to use my husband's must-have documents to create my own? Well, Susan... It depends if you consider your husband a family member or not. Just joking, Susan. Listen, everybody, if you order the must-have documents and you have them, by the way, the way you order them is you go to susieorman.com slash offer and you get them. You will get an an activation code. You can share that activation code with really as many people as you want. I think it's up to nine. And when they activate, they create their own account with their own password. So therefore, what your husband has created, you can't get into his stuff. He can't get into your stuff, but you can all use the same activation code. Now you know. All right. By the way, I just have to say this, besides being on the Today Show today at 10 o'clock, this weekend on HSN at 6 o'clock on Saturday the 18th, 3 o'clock on Sunday the 19th, you got to tune in because it's a great offer that is going to be on HSN and you might want to take advantage of it. Okay. Yeah, she's on TV all week. Everyone have fun with it. I hope my hair lasts. Oh, it's gonna it's beautiful. It looks great. She got it cut, a little bit of color. It looks really fun. <laughs> All right. So next question is from Estelle. I'm married and 50 with two teens. My company was recently bought and I opted to take 250000 in my 401k and roll it over. The advisor recommends a managed portfolio and to put it in an SMA. What is an SMA and how does it work? This is, my dear Estelle, it is the latest thing that keeps happening with everybody. I think a lot of these brokerage firms, discount brokerage firms, are trying to compete with ETFs, exchange-traded funds, and they're trying to find a way to generate more income for them. Why? Because a lot of these discount brokerage firms are now allowing you to buy individual stocks for no commission, slices of stock for no commissions, and it's very difficult for them to generate revenue. So they came up with this thing called SMA, which stands for, oh, this should have been your quizzy. KT, what does SMA stand for? I don't know. <laughs> Most people don't. So it stands for a separately managed account. And what financial advisors are doing is they are saying to you, rather than putting all of this money in your case, $250,000 into exchange-traded funds and things like that. Why not let me manage your account for you and buy individual stocks for you? And the fee will be very little. They tell you the fee is approximately 0.35%. And then they tell you that they can customize it for you if you have some areas of investing you want to avoid and this and that. And they have this whole spiel, in my opinion, as to why you should do it. But then on top of that 0.35% fee, there's a management fee that the advisor usually gets of approximately 1%. So if you go the SMA route versus exchange-traded funds, you are going to be paying a whole lot more, in my opinion, in most cases, not all, on fees. 
And are you going to get that much more for, for it? Also, what's interesting is these SMA accounts, KT, usually have large minimums. Like the minimum is 100000 250000 It's a lot of money. So when you go from a 401k and you do an IRA rollover with a discount brokerage firm, and you have 100000 250000 or more, this is something that they're offering you as an alternative. And you're all saying, yes, why not? However, you might be really, if you just want it to be simple, you might want to just stick to indexed exchange traded funds where the fees are like nil, 0.04%, a whole lot different. So look, you can look this all up, but I'm not a fan of SMAs. And one of the reasons that I'm not a fan is this. We do not know how good the advisor is that you're dealing with that can pick these individual stocks for you? How do you know the advisor's track record? How do you know if they can do better than an index fund? Most managers don't do better than an index fund. So bottom line is, I don't think so. Okay, next, KT. That's a good enough reason for me. So this is from Sean. I'm a high school teacher and currently have a 403B through my employer. When I asked them if I could sign up for a Roth 403B, they said they did not provide this as an option, but would look into it. So Sean's simply asking, is there something he can do obviously to convince employer to offer this fantastic opportunity or something else to to make it all happen. Yeah, you know, Sean, until you can convince your human resource people that they absolutely, there should not be one corporation out there, not one that has employees that do not offer a Roth alternative, a Roth 401k, a Roth 403b, a Roth TSP, it should be mandatory. But until your employer decides to do that, remember, you can absolutely do a Roth IRA yourself if you qualify for it income wise. And that would probably be even better than a Roth 403b, especially if your employer does not match. If your employer matches, matches, which means you put in a dollar, they give you 50 cents or so, they match your contribution, usually up to 6% of your base pay until they give you a Roth 403b option, just contribute up to the point of the match. And then everything above that put into a Roth IRA on your own if you can. Okay, next. Come on, we're burning through these. We're going right. good, Katie. Next question is from Mary. I love this. Um, this is a really long question, but I'm just going to share with you the gist of what she needs to know. But I'm quite proud of everything that Mary's done. So Mary is 60 years old. She's divorced. She was just recently divorced in 2019 at the age of 58 after 36 years of marriage. Wait, and wait. Can you read that again? Yeah. I want all, especially everybody out there listening, to listen to this closely. Go on. I turned 60 in April of this year and was divorced in May of 2019 at the age of 58 after 36 years of marriage. All right, everybody, it happens. It happens. It happens. Just think about that. All right, go on. And to, to just make this a more interesting story. So Mary obviously 
is from farmland. She's from the heartland of America. She said, I moved off the farm to the next state closer to where my daughter lives. I'm curious what your opinion is, Susie, on how I should be managing my money. I'm very conservative when it comes to investing. And then she goes on to say, I, if I understand correctly, I can continue to rent the farmland once I reach, reach retirement age, which is 67, with no penalties with Social Security. Is that correct? Well, the truth of the matter, Mary, is once you reach full Social Security age, which depending, you know, when you were born, it's either 66 in a few months or 67 right now. But let's just say your full Social Security age is 67. Once you reach full Social Security age, you can make any amount of money you want, and it doesn't reduce your Social Security at all. So you have to remember that if you took Social Security when you were younger, let's say you took it at 62, let's just say that's true. Normally, you're only allowed to make a specific sum of money. And if you make over that, they reduce your Social Security $1 for every $3, whatever it is over that amount of money. In that case, your income would not count towards that penalty. But that's not true here. What you have to be very clear about, once you start taking Social Security, and let's say you take it at 67 the income, rental income from that farmland or from anything is going to count towards whether your Social Security is going to be taxable or not. So as a woman now that is filing single, if you make between twenty five dollars to $34,000 a year, and that rental income will count towards that. It's at 50,000. 50% of your Social Security is going to be taxable. Once you make over 34,000, which you are, 85% of whatever your Social Security check will be, will be taxable to you. So you just have to understand the difference between when your Social Security check is taxed when when you're younger and you're claiming Social Security, what income offsets your Social Security and what income does not? Did I confuse everybody there? No, I think that was pretty clear. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, here you go. This next one's from Nick. My mom watched your TV show for years and now listens to your podcast. My mom and I each wanted to open the ultimate savings account with Alliant Credit Union. My mom is a teacher, but she was not able to because she didn't fit one of their qualifications. Mm -hmm. I know you have to set Nick straight. Yeah. So then Nick says, I opened an account, but we want to make sure that I open the right one you talk about. We're both very excited and also want to be entered into the sweepstakes. Aww. So let's help Nick understand yeah. what that there are no restrictions, first of all. So first of all, as KT just said, Nick, you're right. Normally, when you want to open an account at a credit union, you have to become a member of that credit union. And many credit unions have certain restrictions. You can only be a member if you're this or that. And it's true. When you go to myalliant.com, which is where all of you would go to open up your ultimate opportunity savings account with a 
Alliant Credit Union, you will see that there are certain qualifications that allow you to become a member. However, if you don't meet any of those qualifications, it does not matter because then you become a member of Foster to Success and you become a member of that. It costs $5, which Alliant pays. So it does not cost you one penny to become a member of that. And then you qualify for an Alliant Credit Union account. What is important, however, if you want the ultimate opportunity savings account, you have got to open it up through myalliant.com. Do not go to Alliant directly. You have got to go through my link in order to do so, and then you're automatically qualified. Now, this is something all of you should know, talking about the sweepstakes, because I forgot to say anything about it, to tell you the truth. And it is this. If you already were a member of the Alliant Credit Union and you opened up the Ultimate Opportunity Savings Account and you funded it prior to September 13th, you automatically were entered for two entries. So I have an account. Let's just say that's true. My name now is entered twice for the sweepstakes. If you open up an account from September 13th all the way through October 13th, you've opened it and you have funded it in the month that you opened it, then you get qualified, but just once to win the sweepstakes. However, listen closely because this involves everybody. Once you are a member of Alliant Credit Union with the Ultimate Opportunity Savings Account, they have your email address. They're going to be sending you a link directly to your email address. Just simply put down five people that you could refer to open up and fund an Alliant Credit Union Ultimate Opportunity Savings Account, and you can earn five more entries into the sweepstakes. That will give you at least six to seven entries to win up to $10,000 first place prize, $5,000 second place prize, and five $1,000 third place prizes. So you should all do that. And if for no other reason, you're going to be earning 0.55%. And if you do $100 a month every month for 12 consecutive months, you earn $100. So I think it's the best thing going in the entire United States. All right. Next question is from Tanya. Hi, Susie. <laughs> My car died after a bad trip to the wrong auto shop. <laughs> Therefore, I had to buy a new car. I bought a three-year-old with a warranty, but had to sell my stocks. And then Tanya goes on to say that she uses Vanguard, but did not know how to choose which stocks to sell so that she had money to buy another car. So at some point, she had made a decision to sell the oldest stocks first. Mm, I know. Big mistake. I know. I know, Susie. So basically, she said, I don't know how to tell what is the best or cost or the return. Got it. I did not understand. Susie, help people understand you how to make it, these decisions. Friend. So it's very simple. You sell the stocks if you have to sell stocks that have the least capital gains or tax ramifications if you sell it. 
Usually, if you sell stocks that you've held the longest, obviously, it's over one year and one day. So you pay capital gains tax on it. But still, those stocks probably are stocks that you have the largest gain overall. Because if you held them the longest and they're good quality stocks, you probably have made more money in those stocks than in stocks that maybe you bought a year ago or two years ago. But when looking at a stock portfolio, when you need to sell stocks, everybody, sell the stocks that either are at a loss right now, so you can take a loss off of your income taxes, or stocks that have the least gains right now, so your income tax implications will be nil. So this is from Terry. Dear Susie, thanks for all your great advice over the years. Here's our situation. We have not disclosed to our 24-year-old son that he has a substantial trust that's been available to him since he turned 18. Probably a wise decision. And then mom goes on to give us the backstory. He's a great kid. He's bar mitzvahed, college graduate, was accepted to law school, but then the pandemic hit and he deferred a year, which we supported. Instead of taking a loan and enduring his first year of law school on Zoom, so he cut, we're going to just cut to a year later. Basically, he's living in their mother-in-law attached apartment, rent-free. He now wants to look for his own apartment with a friend. He's in search of a job with a salary. He currently works at an ice cream shop. Again, we support his decision. So the the con- the conflict is do they tell him about the trust or do we wait till he's gained a little momentum on his own That's well, the conflict well, here Well Terry you know how I always say it I say this over and over again on the podcast you never ask a question you don't know the answer to when it's a question especially like this you know you need to wait you may support him that he's working in an ice cream shop but somehow i just don't think so i don't think so so therefore just let him do whatever he's doing and when he does go back to school if he goes if back. he goes back to school let's see what he does but at this point he's still 24 years old and i know that a lot of 20 year olds out there think oh my god i have it together i'm responsible i should know what i have and everything like that and i have seen so many 24 year olds 30 year olds and 40 year olds blow through a million dollars, three million dollars. One in particular blew through a five million dollar trust that was left to him. So I wouldn't do it if I were you at this point in time, which is why you wrote. Let's see what he does on his own. Right now he's living in your attached apartment. Rent free. Rent free. Okay. And has decided that he no longer wants to go to law school. Okay, that's a sign. And he's looking for an apartment with a friend. Okay, let him get a real taste of life before you tell him that he has a lot of money. I don't like the decision so far that he has made. I wouldn't be telling him, but you already knew that. I I just want to add something. Our trust lawyer has had many conversations with Susie and I about trust that she manages for quite a few people. She always recommends that she doesn't want to leave money 
to, you know, heirs or, or before the age yeah, of 30. 30 or 35. 30, 30 to 35. And that's her rule of thumb. She really believes that it takes a good solid amount of time for a young, you know, individual to be independent. Yeah, so I wouldn't be doing it. All yeah. right. All right. This is the last this is my last question, Susie, but it's a little bit wide open. It's from Rita and I don't know how we can help her, but says, I was wondering if you have any advice or opinion regarding what to watch for when starting a joint home care agency business venture with friends or a partnership business. My my advice, Susie, would be I wouldn't do anything with friends. <laughs> of course, that would be right. But here's the thing, Rita, what I would say to you. Friends, not friends, people that you know, well, whatever it is, before you do anything, you need a legal agreement between all of you. What are what you know, how are you going to split profits? What are you going to do if one of you wants to leave? You have to think of every single thing that could happen. And you know, recently I told one of my nieces this who was starting a business, and I said, You have to get a legal agreement between all of you before you even start. And she didn't do that. She just went for it, and now she sees why I was saying that. So it doesn't matter how good your friendship is. My best, seriously, my best advice to you would be, if you're going to do something, everybody's got to put in the equal amounts of money or equal amounts of energy. How are you going to divide it? What happens if one of you wants out? And you have to know about this business the insides and the outsides, all of it, before you go ahead and do it. I would tell you to be very, very careful. All right, Miss Travis. So I got some not so nice emails because last time we didn't do a quizzy. Oh, people missed the quizzy. People uh -oh. did not like it. They thought we went on too much about other things that weren't as important and that they wanted their quizzy. All right, I get that. So here, Miss Travis, is your quizzy and everybody else's quizzy as well. Okay, I'm ready. This is from Cynthia. And she's one of the ones that missed the quizzy. So she wrote in and said, Susie, this is a quizzy for KT. You need to ask her this question. All right, Cynthia, I'm ready. All right, ready. <laughs> she says, my spouse bought $5,000 worth of one stock just four months ago. It's now worth $10,000. Cynthia, why didn't you tell us what stock it was? She didn't tell us what stock. Wouldn't you want to know what stock it was? But anyway, there are many stocks and things that have doubled in the past few months. All right. Now, my spouse wants to sell the original $5,000 that she invested and let the $5,000 gain ride because then she has no money at risk. I want her to sell it all. Who is right? Just think about it. Do you all understand the question? This woman's spouse bought a stock at, for $5,000. It's now worth $10,000. Her spouse wants to sell half of it, get the original $5,000 back, and let the $5,000 gain just ride. 
the, however, Cynthia wants all $10,000 because they also need money. They, she wants it sold. All of it. Who's Cynthia, right? Cynthia, you have to support your spouse. First of all, she's the one that made the investment. But it's she- their money. It's both their money. Think before oh. you answer. Are you all thinking, everybody? So, KT, think about it. I made an investment. I doubled. I think Cynthia should honor her spouse's decision to take the 5000 original investment off the table and let the balance what they made ride and see what happens. Or... No. Okay. No, that's it. Is that your answer? Yeah. There's no or. That's right, your answer? All right, that's my answer. Is that all of your answers? What would you do in this case? Think about it. KT, am I going to approve or deny you? You're going to approve me. You think? Yeah. And... Uh, why'd you do that? Because you're wrong. So wait, why should she... All right, let me tell you the correct answer. All right. Many of you are going to find yourselves in situations, especially maybe even with cryptocurrency, where things double very quickly. And maybe you want to take money off the table, but you have to remember that all $10,000 is your money. You can't just think about it as, well, I invested 5000 it's now ten. so now if I take 5000 off, I have nothing to lose. Yeah, you do. You have $5,000 that you can absolutely lose. So if, here's the rule of thumb, everybody, I want you to listen closely to me now. If you invested $5,000 and it's now worth $10,000, take $7,500 off the table. Yeah, I was going to say that. Right, because because you made a 50% gain on your money in four months. That way, no matter what happens, you made 50% on your money in four months. So now you're just not getting your money back. You're getting your money back plus 50%. So now if you want to let $2,500 ride, okay. But if you had just taken $5,000 off the table... And now that $5,000 gain goes down to zero, and now it's not worth anything again, you would feel horrible, absolutely horrible. So the correct answer is the one that I gave you. Did that make sense, Katie? I was almost going to do that, suggest that they split the difference and make it $7,500 out. Why didn't you say that then? Because I thought, well, there you go. I didn't think I was just answering A or B instead of offering up C. Now, here's what Katie just said is very important. Just because your choices are A or B in this case, that doesn't mean that either of those choices are correct. So you have to spend time and think about it. What else could I do? You can always do other things. So just remember that. All right, KT, we got to get a move on here and get ready for the Today Show, 10 o'clock, Hoda and Jenna. Let's see what happens. And don't forget this weekend on HSN. All right, everybody. Until next week, what do we want to say, KT? There's only one thing 
that matters when it comes to your money, and it is this. People first. Then money. Then things. There we go, girlfriend. Now you stay safe. See you on Sunday. Bye-bye. Bye now. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.